Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, January 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Super Bowl is today's topic. Isn't it great that we can say that in Kansas City for the second straight year? Today, star columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger joined beat writer Herbie T.O.B. for the first of several conversations over the next week and a half on the Super Bowl. Sam McDowell was on assignment, but he'll be with us next time. We covered several topics about the game, and we finished by examining why offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy was passed up once again on becoming a head coach. The final NFL opening with the Houston Texans apparently is being filled by another former Chiefs assistant, David Cully. So let's get started talking Chiefs and Super Bowl. Hey, good morning from a chilly Kansas City. There I am. All right. Um, very good. Uh, good morning from a chilly Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly program where we talk Chiefs with you. And you get to talk Chiefs with the people who know them the best. Um, we might end up with a full house today, but we're starting with a um, with, a, with, with an all-star lineup here. Sam Mellinger left the comfort of his home to come all the way down to the office and be with us today. Melly, what's going on? Nothing, man. Happy to be here in, in, yeah. in the house that Blair built. <laughs> Herbie Teope is here, I'm told, uh, somewhere. Vahe Gregorian is going to join us in a few minutes. And Sam McDowell um, is working on some interviews, and he will be with us when he can. So we're here to answer your questions about the Chiefs, about the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, we're going to talk all about that over the next half hour or so. And uh, I'd like to start where we usually do, um, Herbie, and that is with uh, we, we saw an injury report yesterday. I didn't realize we were going to get one of those. And uh, it, was an it was an estimated injury report with approximate participation level if there was a practice. They didn't practice yesterday, neither did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, but the teams were required to put out an injury report as if they were on the field. No surprise, they listed Eric Fisher as not participating. You look, it's, a, it's an Achilles, it's a torn Achilles tendon, which is typically a season-ending injury, so you know, I'm not you know, listing him as not practicing is, is par for the course. They listed Patrick Mahomes as a projected full participant with the toe injury. So that's always a good sign. But the two names that jump out to me on the list they had yesterday was Willie Gay. Willie Gay uh, suffered a high ankle sprain in the season finale. He hasn't practiced since. But the Chiefs say if they did practice on Wednesday, he would have been limited. The other guy was Legereus Sneed. We know he left. Uh, last week's win uh, over the Bills in the concussion protocol, but had the Chiefs practice Wednesday, he would have been limited. So that's a good sign that he's trending in the right course before the team actually hits the field. The Chiefs will actually be on the field Thursday, so there should be an, an injury report based on actual participation later this afternoon. Hey, and Herbie, that leads me into something else I wanted to ask you about, and that is the schedule for the Chiefs. Uh, let's just go through the rest of this week, and um, the, the um, uh, it's it, it's a little different. Uh, it, it's just like the entire season has been different for the NFL and for all of sports. But you know, um, as far as the Chiefs practicing, uh, they're they're going to be at Arrowhead Stadium at the at the at the training facility 
really through this week and all of next week until until they get on a plane and, and go to Tampa. Um, so just just take us through what the what the Chiefs are going through right now. Well, look, they mirror last year's schedule before they flew to Miami. I mean, they're going to practice today and likely practice on Friday. Because um, if you remember, they wanted to get in all the install stuff before they started going off into media commitment. So these next couple of days here for the Chiefs are going to be critical and essential to their game planning before they fly to Tampa. Uh, Next week, they'll hit the practice field with media availability Wednesday through Friday uh, before they officially get on that plane and, and take off for Tampa. Uh, my understanding is, and Adam Schefter actually tweeted this out, you know, we, we had heard grumblings that the Chiefs probably aren't flying to Tampa until Saturday, the day before the game. And uh, Schefter, if I recall, uh, during Sunday's game against the Bills, he tweeted out towards the end that the Chiefs would fly out on Saturday. The Chiefs haven't confirmed that, but, you know, we're smokers fire. That's probably the plan. Okay. Okay. Well, in a little uh, another piece of estimation news, uh, I looked at the long-range forecast for Tampa, and uh, it's on weather.com. Anybody can go see it. The um, uh, the high on February seventh is seventy-four degrees, but there's a fifty-five percent chance of rain that day, and it's the um, it's the highest percentage of chance of precipitation over the next fifteen days in Tampa. So. I don't know. Might got a little bit of a wet track in, uh, in in Tampa that day. So, hey, Vahe Gregorian in the house. Well, in his house. Unlike Sam Mellinger, who's in the house, Vahe's in his house. Good morning, Vahe. Good morning, guys. I'm glad to see you two in the big house. Uh, and uh, uh, nice to be with you. Sorry, I was behind. Yeah, and uh, as I said earlier, uh, Sam McDowell will be joining us when he can. He's uh, he is, as we say in the biz, on assignment. And uh, <laughs> hopefully that assignment ends for him in a few minutes. Um, all right, uh, let, let's. Uh, if, if if McDowell were here, this would be a good time to talk about the line. So I'll just mention that the Chiefs open as a three point favorite. The over under is fifty six point five, and uh, and and we'll get into that in a bigger way uh, either when Sam gets here, and certainly when we do uh, future shows on uh, uh, on the Super Bowl. So, uh, and one thing we are going to get into a little bit later is uh, just news breaking this morning that a, a chief's assistant has a head coaching job in the NFL. <laughs> it's not the one you might think. It's a former chief's assistant. So we'll get to that in, in a little while. Um, all right. Uh, one thing that, uh, that we did as a, as, a, as a staff earlier this week was come up with some some storylines and story ideas for sections that we're going to uh, produce, uh, write and produce and distribute. And, um, and sometimes, uh, you know, we, we bat around ideas for these, uh, for these storylines, but hoping that you guys can help us with some of them as well. Um, great to get some ideas from, from you guys with your questions and comments. So uh, one, of, one of the storylines that we're going to pursue this week is the Chiefs defense, Steve Spagnuolo um, uh, getting his get the defense ready for for the for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He's done this before, not only with the Chiefs last year, but certainly with the New York Giants back in um, you know about what, what was it thirteen or fourteen years ago, and did it with a great deal of success uh, in, in in both occasions. So, Bahe, let's let's start with you and 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 Spags and how he seems to to get, uh, get his defenses ready for big games. 
Yeah, well, for sure. And it's particularly against, uh, you know, Brady, Patriots, however you want to frame it. Um, you know, what's interesting, I mean, I'm sure obviously strategy is part of it and, and understanding what he's doing. Sometimes you get a guy's number and you, you think maybe there's a chance he's got a little kryptonite for Tom Brady. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I every game takes on its own personality. But I, I think for those of us sort of watching up close, which is a lot of people watching the show right now, too, um, I think we've seen uh, his creativity go up a notch in a lot of ways as he's gotten more and more um, not not comfortable with his defense. But I mean, as he understands his personnel through a full year and a half now, you know, two full seasons. And I just I just love the way they're uh, they're coming up with the creative blitzes. I think they I I could be wrong. I know uh, Sam Mellinger and Sam McDowell will typically get back into the tape and Herbie, too. I don't think they've gotten burned by blitzes. I think their blitzes have been really effective. And I, I think that that's been part of what um, has gotten them here and part of what will be a, a really interesting subplot in this game against the, the Bucks. Yeah, don't you, uh, don't you think one of the storylines, Melly, is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem to matter. In fact, it, it works in the Chiefs' favor when opposing defenses get some pressure on Mahomes. But it, just the opposite is true with the Bucks and Tom Brady. You get pressure on Tom Brady, and his numbers go down. Right, his um, his his QB rating. Uh, just as uh, we we we've seen it, we, we saw it in, in when the Chiefs played the Tampa Bay in the regular season. Seen it all year with him. They uh, when the Chiefs get defensive pressure, and they get it through blitzing. Right, they this this is not a a defense that gets a lot of pressure with its four man rush. But when they bring Tyron Matthew, when they bring um, Sorensen, or in the last, as we've seen the last few weeks, Legereus Sneed, they can really disrupt a quarterback. And in Tom Brady, you don't have a running threat. Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean, you know, for a long time, the book on beating Brady is sort of like what we've been talking about with Mahomes. It was like you got to get pressure with four, which is sort of the holy grail of football anyway. I don't think it's it's that narrow. Um, I, I think you can blitz Brady a little bit if, if you can end up getting there. But the problem is, like, Tom Brady is really smart, and, and he's seen everything. Um, so you, the, the disguises, you know, sort of the, the standard for the disguises is much higher than it is against Josh Allen. No offense to Josh Allen, but, you know, third year or whatever um, versus is, – is Brady in his 21st season? Like, I think 19th full season? Um, something like that. It's just – He's seen everything. There's there's nothing you're going to bring to Tom Brady that he's going to be like, whoa, I haven't seen that before. So you know you you've got to you've got to disguise well, and, and the Chiefs are pretty well equipped. I mean, um, their blitzes. I think this is is what Vahe was just alluding to. Their, their blitzes against the Bills were incredible. Um, now they did seem to. I don't think this was universal, but they did seem to always go arm side. You know, to to prevent Allen from you know, scrambling out to a strong side to throw. Um, I, I don't know that it matters with Brady because he's not going to scramble out to throw, but um, he will have a better chance of, of reading what you're doing than, than Josh Allen. How about uh, Brady? 30th in QB rating when under pressure this season. Uh, he's number five in QB rating when not under pressure. Uh, yeah. I believe it would behoove the Chiefs to get a little pressure on, on Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I, I thought they were. <laughs> I, th I thought they were outstanding doing that in in the uh, uh, in the middle of that uh, AFC Championship game. You know, at the end, it, you know, things are a little bit different when 
Bills are in desperation mode. But it, when the game was won, then um, in, in the second and third quarters, I thought the Chiefs' defense was outstanding. Um, Tyler Hoffman asks, uh, Herbie, will we get playoff Sammy Watkins back? <laughs> the million-dollar question with Sammy Watkins. Look, he's been out from suffering the calf injury in week 16. He's put in a limited practice last week. And also the projected estimated practice for Wednesday's report was limited. And we'll have to wait and see. You know, we'll, I'm a, I hate to drop the old Andy Reid line there. You know, we'll see. But that's with him, it, it's virtually true. They're going to take that day by day, <laughs> week by week. And Watkins, uh, you know, the Chiefs haven't really missed him over these last couple of days. You know, he had a, a couple, some of these players are stepping up. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, obviously, back-to-back 100-yard receiving efforts in two straight games in the play- playoffs. Byron Pringle played a lot of snaps uh, against the Bills, and he had a pretty productive day. McCole Hardman, even though he had the muff punt, you know, they, they found ways to get him involved with that 50-yard run. So, uh, it, of course, you'd like to have Sammy Watkins in the lineup, but as of right now with his injury status, you're going to have to wait and see. Blair, I, I took that question to be playoff Sammy, not Watkins, but Mellinger and McDowell keep raising their game, and and they have been. Uh, no so, doubt, no so doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so Brian LaBerge asked about the offensive line. Look, we talked about uh, uh, you know, Eric Fisher, of course. We're not Mitchell. Mitchell Schwartz ain't walking through that Super Bowl door, and uh, neither is Eric Fisher. And LDT's not coming back for a game. So uh, it, it, that really is one of the uh, under-the-radar uh, stories of this Chiefs' success over throughout the season, really, when you talk about it. with, I mean, starting with Kalichi Assembly going down in, was it week four, I believe it was? And, it's a Raiders uh, game, yeah. Yeah, Raiders, the, the loss. And um, it, it's just been amazing to see this offensive line hold up the way it has so, uh, Herbie, what, um, uh, what, what are they doing offensive line-wise? What's the, are we going to see Stefan Wisniewski uh, be the, the new starter and kicking Andrew Wiley out to tackle? I believe that's what's, what you're going to end up seeing there. You know, Remmers obviously is, is a flexible guy. He, he's your swing offensive lineman, can play both sides of the offensive line, actually can play all you know, the four positions there, maybe even center if he had to. <clears throat> but he's probably going to be your left tackle We've been comfortable with Andrew Wiley. He's had to kick out the right tackle two times already this season. Uh, He he started at right tackle against the Saints back in week 15. And then when Fisher went down against the Bills, that's what they ended up doing. They kicked Wiley out the right tackle and inserted Stefan Wisniewski into the the lineup there at right guard. And then the way this roster looks right now, that's probably what you're going to see in the Super Bowl. And I think they're comfortable with that. Even against Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, I think that's um, uh, that is obviously a storyline to to follow next week, and how you know how we're going to see Remmers and Wiley uh, battle those guys. But as, as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Herbie, didn't Wiley's been kicked out to tackle this year um, in in some games, right? Correct. In week 15 against the Saints. And what gives you confidence there that he should be able to handle either Pierre Paul or even Shaq Barrett, depending on where they line up. He held his own against all pro defensive end Cam Jordan for the Saints uh, so that, you know, I don't think I think they should take that game and say, yeah, he can handle elite pass rusher so that that gives you a level of confidence. 
Brian Johnson notes that uh, uh, Chiefs will supplement the offensive line with an extra tight end or running back, uh, quick passes, draws. Andy and the O-line coach, Andy Heck, will figure it out. I agree. I agree. Um, I do think if the Bucks get a lot of push uh, and, and pressure with four and, and beat the Chiefs' offensive line, that, that's, uh, that, that spells a little bit of trouble for, for the Chiefs. That's what the Raiders were able to do and a couple other teams this year. So, uh Actually, like, can I say something real quick? Yeah, um, please. I actually think that that Saints game is is pretty instructive um, for how this one may or may not go. Just uh, because I, I think that the Mike Remmers that we'll get in the Super Bowl will be a better left tackle than Eric Fisher was. That guy was dragging. Um, I mean, that that's not an insult to his ability at all. But he he was playing it. I don't know what the percent was, but he he was not moving around very well at all. And Andrew Wiley, you would think, is going to be better now than he was just, you know, kind of a spot start with, with the preparation. Um, but they still, the Saints got a ton of pressure um, on, on Mahomes in that game. And, and they did it. If you look at their touchdowns, they were all these kind of like gimmicky plays that people get sick of the Chiefs doing in the red zone. Um, they were just like quick passes. There was one where Mahomes, or where uh, Tyreek Hill did like three different motions before the snap. Um, I, I think they're going to have to do a lot of that because um, – you know, you never want to have like your backup tackles in a game. But if you could list five teams that you definitely don't want to have your backup tackles against, the Bucks would, would certainly be in that list. This is how they get pressure. So it's, it's something the Chiefs are going to have to change the way that they play. But I, I do think um, that when something is this obvious before a game and it's something that we're talking about that just seems like this flashing light of how the Bucks are going to destroy the Chiefs, it usually doesn't end up that way. Um, you know, because they've, they've got two weeks. Andy Heck is good at what he does. Andy Reid, I mean, they'll, you know, like uh, was Brian LaBerge just mentioned, I mean, they, they will do some quick passes. I mean, the, the problem is if you get into a, a situation where the quarterback asks, do we have time for Wasp? <laughs> they, they, they may not have time for Wasp. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they may have to do it some other ways. I, I think they could have time for Wasp. He just has to throw it higher. Um, <laughs> just get it, get it all. Which you assume he can do. Yeah, it's, um, you, you know, just a, a quick extra to that point. I mean, it, it, Sam Sam said it, but I do think it's it's never been a better time to have two weeks. Um, whether it's you know whatever degree you get healthied up in general, but really, I I think for a, a strategist like Andy, I think this this plays really well. With I mean, I think they're going to understand what they have to do. I uh, I do know at some point with all the offensive line attrition, you can. You can't keep saying you're going to do more with less. You can only do less with less. But I still think that they'll 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 have strategic mechanism to combat this with that I think will be pretty sound. If only we had some evidence of, of Andy Reid's success in an open week or an extra week. <laughs> uh. <laughs> with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. 
Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So what about running back? We've got some questions about running back. And uh, have, have we seen the last of Le'Veon Bell as a, in, in a Chiefs uniform? Is he... What do you think, Herbie? Is he going to um, Daryl Dar- now with Clyde Edwards-Alaire back and Daryl Williams doing what he's done in the in the two playoff games? Where, where does that leave Le'Veon Bell? Well, he's only here on a one-year contract anyway, so it's a, you know it was it was an opportunity for the Chiefs to bring in to see what he had left, you know. But he's been dinged up uh, with, with that knee injury. His knee swelled up on him last week after just one practice leading up to his inactive status against the Bills. And, you know, when you got a guy like Daryl Williams, who's now turned into playoff <laughs> Daryl Williams, and he's had two straight solid games. Uh, against the Bills, he played more snaps than Edward Jolaire and actually outpaced him. He, he, he led the team in rushing against the Bills. So I don't think you need to change anything or, or rush Le'Veon Bell into the lineup if you don't need him because you've got – Daryl, uh, excuse me. Yeah, you got Daryl Williams right now playing lights out. I wonder if there's another D Williams out there in college this year who, uh, <laughs> who the Chiefs can sign just just for the postseason. Uh, because you're right. I mean, if, if it's not Damian Williams, it's Daryl Williams, and uh, I, I've been really impressed with him. He just, I just love the physicality with which he runs. We always talk about how the Chiefs have trouble in, you know, going up the middle in short yardage situations, and that, that's not going to change because the offensive line is what it is. But now they've got a stronger back you know, by somebody can, somebody can help push the offensive line and, and, uh, and muscle for uh, an extra yard or two. I just, and as long as he doesn't fumble, I remember he had one game, I think it was at Detroit last year where he lost a fumble or maybe even two fumbles. Oh, that's right. Remember? And uh, that was the, in the one quarter, the one quarter where the Chiefs fumbled three times, and uh, and I think he had a couple of them. But uh, he he's just been he's been money. The guy's the guy has been terrific. So I feel like Blair in the last couple of weeks, the, the the things that strike me as sort of new and improved and better than we might have expected are uh, you know Juan Thornhill getting back to uh, yeah. good health and and being pretty dynamic, and and really I I think it. Daryl Williams is an asset I didn't really quite understand they had. I mean, I I get that he's been a help, supplemental help, but I think he can be, I think he can be a factor. The the other thing that I would add to that is uh, their coverage. Um, yeah, their their coverage on the back end has been really really good uh, these last two games. I mean, you know, kind of quiet. I don't know if it's quietly or not. It doesn't matter. But um, their last three real games. Falcons, Browns, Bills, I think have been the best three games that the defense has played all season. I mean, I don't know what to do with that game in Denver. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that, was, right. that was a weird game. But you know what I mean? Just like all around taking into account the the, the opponent, quality of opponent and all that. They, they've been – the coverage has been really, really good. Some of the pressures – and Chris Jones and Frank Clark have been better, but some of their pressures are because nobody's open on the back end and the quarterback's got to hold on to it a little bit. 
I'm glad Vahe brought up Juan Thornhill. It was so good to see him back. I know he had the interception, uh, missed, missed interception against Buffalo, but but overall, for, especially for the film watchers, I, you know, I was reading, he just had his best game of the year. And look, you know, the guy had an ACL tear in what, week 17 last year, and it takes a year to get over that. I don't, I'm not saying they rushed him back, but, um, uh, you know, he was sure he physically felt like he was ready to go in week one, but maybe it's taken this long for him to be the Juan Thornhill that he was a year ago and just have, you know, full faith and trust in, in his, you know, in his knee. And, uh, but if he is, I mean, if, if he's what he was last year, you know, in the AFC title game wasn't a fluke for him, but what a great sign that is for the Chiefs. Blair, to your point, I'll I'll just say real quick, it would be really interesting to try to do a comprehensive sort of tracing of the arc of how they treated his injury. You remember at at midseason, I think it was, there there was a lot of like, well, why aren't they playing him? And he's, you know, what's wrong with him? And and I think, you know, we could understand in a big picture sense that the injury was still a factor, but, but it would be really interesting to try to find a way to get behind the scenes at how they approached it for maximum um, utility, I guess, at this point. Go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. Well, I was just, it, there's still, there is some up and down. You know, we saw that especially in the first half of the season where he looked pretty strong one week and then, you know, it was the Chargers game, right? The one in LA uh, where he really struggled. And then I think yeah. the very next week he looked really good in Baltimore. I mean, there's just some up and down um, element to that. But if if that play, and I know he didn't finish it, it would have been a great catch, uh, the, the interception. But, um, just just physically the the turn in the hips and then running with the guy downfield i mean that just like physically that was as good as he's been since the injury and and if that is you know if that's where he's at now like you guys have said i mean it's it's 12 almost 13 months or whatever after the after the initial tear then that's a huge thing so, i mean the chiefs we can talk about spagnolo and we should and all these things but they went from the worst i mean the that group of safeties in 2018, I mean, that was just, it was horrendous. And then they might've had the best pair of safeties in the league last year with, with Thornhill and Matthew. And if they're back to that, um, especially against, you know, a team that likes to throw it downfield um, and has some more than capable receivers uh, who can beat you, even when they're covered, um, you know, especially Evans and Godwin, those are kind of big guys that, that can win in the air. Um, that, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Hey, Blair, one more quick thing about Oh, sorry. Yeah, I wrote about that in early December, that some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes with him and why they decided to pull back. It was at the bye week when Steve Spagnuolo had a talk with Juan Thornhill. And Spagnuolo, if you guys recall, admitted they tried to push him a little too soon at the beginning of the year. And then after, during the bye week, when they sat down and looked at film is when they realized, yeah, he's not at 100%. Um, even Thornhill at that point admitted that, you know, there were times on the field that he was thinking about his knee. And after the bye week, after the Chiefs decided to pull back on him and let him get his legs under him is where he started feeling more natural out there, that he was able to react and not think about his knee at the time while he was on the field. So that conversation he had with Spagnolo during the bye week was huge because they both agreed that they were asking him to do too much. And that's when the decision was made by the Chiefs. Let's pull back on him because I think it was that game immediately after the buys when we noticed that he wasn't starting. And then, uh, if I recall, he only played like ten snaps against the Broncos, and and but that was the reason why is because they they realized that they were trying to push him too early. 
he was a situational guy, right? Isn't that uh, there you go, Andy Reid? Remember, because I asked him at the post game uh, press conference, why did he only get so many snaps? He said, "Hey, he's, he's situational now." It also gives them some flexibility with Dan Sorensen too, doesn't it? I mean, they, um, yeah, you know, he's he's been such a big play guy in 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 this postseason career with the Chiefs, and he can play a little bit more of a linebacker role and um, than than a safety role for for the Chiefs. So anyway, it's, it's it was it's great seeing Juan Thornhill back, uh, and and uh, you know he will uh, he'll get to play in the Super Bowl, right? Didn't get to play in the playoffs last yeah. year, and and will get his Super Bowl. Um, Okay, let's. Um, uh, I, I want to bring this up. Uh, so the Houston Texans uh, looks like they've hired their football coach. It was the last opening, the last of the six openings uh, in the NFL this in this uh, cycle. And uh, to me, the longer they were waiting to to name a head coach, I just figured, okay, they're you know it's going to be Eric Bieniemy. They'll, they'll wait till after the Super Bowl and get Eric Bieniemy in. Uh, it back for you know they they already had him I think back for a second interview and it's it's gonna you know finally Eric Bieniemy is gonna get his job head coaching job no uh, if the reports are true and we haven't not confirmed them but uh, uh, the Texans haven't unless something's happened while we've been on the air um, it is David Culley who was the uh, he was with the Ravens this year right but with the Bills previously. Yep. And then with the Chiefs, he was on Andy Reid's original staff here, the wide receivers coach from uh, 2013 through 2016. And then it was Greg Lewis that took over there. So um, he joins uh, uh, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy from, um, uh, from, from Andy Reid's chief staff to become an NFL head coach. But it leaves Eric Bieniemy without a job. At least, you know, it, it, it looks like the – the, the coaching uh, carousel will end, and Eric Benemy will continue to be the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. That is unbelievable fortune for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, and I think uh, maybe history will tell us uh, mis- misfortune for those teams that did not uh, give Eric Benemy a shot at becoming a head coach. Well, so what do we make of uh, of Bieniemy and uh, his his status. Uh, I, I I think first of all, it's 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 all part of the narrative now that uh, he'll be the most qualified coordinator maybe in NFL history that didn't that doesn't have a head coaching position. Uh, what else can we say about that? What do you think, Kirby? I know you're you're probably going to pursue this today when we talk to some Chiefs. <laughs> I have to choose my words wisely here, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, I know like during the offseason, the NFL made it a point of emphasis on minority hires. And a lot of this came out came about because of Eric Bieniemy being shunned or shut out last year. Now, granted, of the seven open positions this year, you had one minority hire in Detroit, not Detroit, uh, in New York with the Jets, Robert Sala, uh, the former 49ers defensive coordinator. Now you have David Culley taking over. In Houston, but I think the league has to take a look at this once again because uh, it, it just didn't happen. I'm I'm, I'm stunned. Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job, you know. And, and I know there's some things that say that some of the media talk is well, maybe he doesn't interview well. I think all of us will agree that even in our college years, there were people who just couldn't take a test well, but the results were there. 
You know, it, the players love Eric Bieniemy. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around why he can't get a, a an NFL head coaching job. You know, kudos to David Culley, though. You mentioned his time here in Kansas City, but his time with Andy Reid actually extends all the way back to when Andy Reid first became the head coach in Philadelphia. So from 1999 through 2016, he he was under Reid. So you know, you he had a chance to see how Reid did did things. He's obviously an offensive-minded kind of guy, but when it comes down to Eric Bieniemy, I'm I'm still stunned he hasn't been hired. You know, Blair, these oh, things. Go no, go well, ahead, these things are often done. Somebody explained it to me in, in these terms. I'm paraphrasing, and this makes some sense. And look, this is coming from somebody that very much is an Eric Bieniemy fan, right? Um, that, that wants Eric to get a job. But the the point was made that unless you are Andy Reid, um, Sean Payton, um, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. I mean, there, there's a there's a f- small list of guys that, that franchises will move mountains to go hire that guy. Uh, but after that, it really becomes uh, sort of a matchup of relationships. And do you have the relationship with the GM? Do you know somebody that knows the owner? And the point he was making, this person was making, is that for whatever reason, the relationships that Eric has have not lined up well with the jobs that have been open. Now there've been a ton of jobs. open. I think he's interviewed 12 times with 10 or 11 franchises. I know that the jets interviewed him twice. Um, I don't know if there's another team out there, but you know, the point was made about like, uh, look, um, the Jaguars, that's a, a college, you know, college heavy market. Urban Meyer makes some sense. there, sort of a reboot or whatever. Maybe they've been pursuing urban Meyer for, for a few years. Um, that's not a fit for Eric Bieniemy, just in that sort of superficial way. Yeah. And and you can go down the list and, and, and find reasons. Um, but if you step back, right, uh, and just look at it like a rational human being, it makes no sense at all because he is, you know, like you just said, Blair, I mean, he, he is the most overqualified head. If you just look at resumes, I mean, just time put in, success, what people who work with him and for him, uh, both, both above him and below him, you know, sort of on the totem pole of, um, you know, what they say about him. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, like this guy, he checks every single box and, you know, the, the two things he doesn't call plays. Well, uh, Matt Nagy didn't, um, Doug Peterson didn't, um, you know, he's got, if you go back, you know, and people kind of, they don't say it out loud, but there's some references to some trouble he got into in Colorado. Um, I think there was a DUI, there was a deal with a, a recruit or a young player or something like that. No, nothing physical um, at all, but just sort of, you know, like reprimands or whatever. Well, that was like 15 years ago, first of all. Second of all, Urban Meyer's stuff is way worse <laughs> than Eric Bieniemy's like ever could dream of. You know, it's just it seems like there's excuses like this is why. But once you analyze those those reasons, they don't they don't really hold up. Yeah, and I, I can't add much to that. You guys have a really thoughtful stance on that, of course. Um, it, it is – I keep getting back to this thing. Like every every decision is its own thing, right? Each franchise, each each group needs to get what they want, what aligns with what they want. But when you do step back and look at, you know, the tapestry of the whole thing, that's where it's like this guy's over 12. He's, he's a coordinator on a three-time, uh, you know, two-time Super Bowl team and 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 i i think you could actually do a study that would show you that the credentials explicitly tangibly are greater than anyone that's never gotten a head coaching job before 
Uh, I'm not sure if I'm phrasing that right, but I think I, who else has had better credentials, right? Just on the resume and on on reputation from from what people will say about him than Eric Bieniemy. So it's it's, uh, it's it's a sad development, really. One of the other things that's kind of funny is I've, I've heard people say, "Well, yeah, he's the offensive coordinator, but that's Patrick Mahomes, and that's why." The, and and look, like Patrick Mahomes is obviously like terrific. But <laughs> there happens to be a coach who got fired, who had Patrick Mahomes in college and had a losing record, and got, and got a head coaching job in the NFL. And Eric Bieniemy can't. <laughs> like, there's just there's so many different things that are just like, yeah, you can say whatever you want to make it, whatever. But like, if you just look just a little bit below the surface, none of these things make sense. One other little uh, twist to this is just thinking about it, and and. I, I don't want to be a Pollyanna, but there are a couple of these jobs he's kind of fortunate not to get, I think, maybe. Um, I think that's yeah. And at Houston, before, in, you know, a few months ago, it looked like, ah, that, <laughs> that looks about right. And now uh, I think I think our uh, our Sports Beat Live today started with a comment, um, pardon me for not having it in front of me, but from somebody saying, can we just talk about how, uh, how lucky Kansas City is that these aren't the Texans? And, of course, it – it's true, and of course, it makes me think that they were the Texans before they they came here. But that's a story in itself. Uh, that was from uh, Michael Blair. Uh, love the name, uh, Michael. So, um, hey, and David Van Zant uh, weighed in, uh, said that lived in Jacksonville when the Jaguars were born. I think that was '96. In a small city for the NFL, but big, big college football market. It absolutely is. Uh, Urban sure. was hired to sell tickets, and I I don't doubt that. And to, to have a crack at, at uh, Trevor Lawrence. So um, that, that, that's why that happened there. But tell you what, I'd love to have seen Eric Bieniemy with Trevor Lawrence, you know, uh, develop, develop that young quarterback. I, I would love to have seen him in, in, with the Chargers. You know, they, the team that drafted him, gave him his chance in the NFL as a player. Uh, and I know, like, he would have been still in the same division in the AFC, but my goodness, man, he, he had a ready-made quarterback in Justin Herbert. They got they got weapons galore over there, and yeah. the Chargers hired Brandon Staley. I'm like, okay. It's just to me, it's just I, I agree with Sam. It, it, it's just it's perplexing as hell. I always scratch my head on this over the last couple of years. I wonder. I've started to wonder. Like, just, I'm sorry, but just real quick, I, I start to wonder at what point. Are you O for so many that the next interview is going to be like, ah, I don't know. Nobody else has hired this guy. Um, what did they see? You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder if this works against him, if it starts to work against him in, in a way. It's just, uh, it shouldn't I, I be think, like this. Yeah. I think that's interesting, Sam. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it does remind me of uh, like a house, uh, say, in your neighborhood or on your block, or in my case, yeah. when we moved from St. Louis, a house that doesn't sell for a while, and then it starts becoming that house. Like, oh. Uh, yeah. And I, I really don't know if that's a, a, a good parallel or not, but I, 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 I like the point of what you're saying. I, I, I think it's it's probably a little bit of a factor in this. Like, oh, he wasn't good enough for them. We're not looking at him. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I think Our house was on the market for 12 months mentioned before it. we bought it. We couldn't be happier, guys. Clark Hunt and everyone, you know, going out of their way to, to, to speak volumes of EB's character and, and his, his ability as a head coach. And then last week, 
the eye-opening one to me was Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes says it's crazy he's not getting a head coaching job. Hey, if Mahomes is thinking that, then you know what? Are, what are we thinking? <laughs> he wanted to say something else too. You you could tell when he was when he was asked about that. He kind of paused to think of the word to to. Yeah, he, he wanted to say something. His tongue else. earlier, kind of like what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me- meanwhile, one more thing you guys have in common, Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> But meanwhile, the Chiefs retain a hell of an offensive coordinator. All he's done is, uh, you know, be part of five division, five straight division winning titles, uh, two, three straight AFC championship game appearances, two straight AFC titles, and will be going for a second straight Super Bowl. Not a bad, uh, not, not a bad career. And, and maybe Eric Bannemi from this point forward just decides to be choosy. Maybe if a Lions job comes up, which inevitably it will, you know, in about three years, <laughs> he says, screw that. You know, it's not where I want to be. I don't want the situation. Seems like he interviews for every job, every, anybody who invites him. Maybe he doesn't do that anymore and just decides to, uh, there's a certain, you know, certain conditions and situations he's interested in. And um, he will turn, uh, he, he will more even put his uh, name up for consideration for some of them. So we'll have to see. We yeah, I think every say, job interview request, like I do uh, in the radio requests. There we go. <laughs> I think. Well, he, yeah, he, he's not taking that job unless he's paid too. That, that is one thing. <laughs> <he can take. laughs> All right, you guys, uh, let's let's wrap it up, and we're going to do this uh, do so today with our usual thanks, but also uh, uh, some. Uh, some uh, commercial here, what we've got coming up for you. We've got a a special section in the star on Sunday. It's a poster edition. Um, I think that speaks for itself. Look for uh, posters of, uh, of your favorite chiefs in that we have uh, the following Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday, two special sections. One is uh, all about uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. The other is a a game day preview section Uh, tomorrow. Mellinger minute for your Mellinger minutes for your ears uh, will be devoted to the Super Bowl. Sam, who you got on as a guest tomorrow? Uh, it's going to be some Chiefs players that are going to um, graciously stop by for availability at one o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to go well. Um, well, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> uh, that'll be great. But uh, it, it, it's uh, the uh, the audio version of the great uh, column that you get every uh, every Tuesday this week. Sports Beat uh, KC, the the daily sports podcast, will be uh, devoted to the Super Bowl all next week in. Of course, you get great coverage, the best coverage that you can find on the Chiefs and the Super Bowl. From these folks right here, Sam McDowell is not with us. He's here in spirit. But uh, Sam Mellinger, Vaughn Gregorian, and the voice of Herbie Teope. So for those folks and for for Beth Welsh, who produced today's show, thank you very much. We'll be back with a couple of these shows next week and uh, continue to, to watch and read the Kansas City Star. Thanks a lot, you guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make Sportsbeat KC happen. Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, and Herbie Teope for Talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage, and what a time to join in. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. How do you get it? 
You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.